Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Glenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 35, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. With great attendance at the recent Chagas Grown event, Beef 2022, farmers from across the country attended to hear about all the latest information and technology in beef farming. Listen in to hear from advisors, researchers and farmers we spoke to on the day in the Signpost Village discussing topics such as soil health, biodiversity, hedgerows, water quality and what interested farmers on the day. Hello, we're here at the ASAP stand. Um, I have Fiona Doolan of Chagask and I have Claire Mooney of Chagask also with me. So ladies, what message are we trying to get across to the farming community? I suppose today, Deirdre, we're just focusing in on the buffer margins and trying to mitigate against losses of phosphorus into the catchments. Um, so for fer- chemical fertiliser, we're talking of a minimum of two metres of a distance from um, the watercourse to application of fertiliser. And I suppose the other side, Deirdre, is that we're focusing on the use um, and improved utilisation of slurries and farmyard manures. And again, as Claire said, to ensure that we're not losing any of the nutrients from those organic manures into our surface water drains or streams. So it's really critical to look at the buffer margins. So here today we're demonstrating what's the minimum that's required is five metres of a buffer margin between um, the spreading of that farmyard manure or slurry organic material and the top of the the surface water drain or stream um, as a minimum. There's been an awful lot of interest in the stand too. I've been walking around um, meeting different farmers and they're coming up and look at the vertebrates as well that you have on display. So what kind of questions were the farmers asking you? I suppose really the questions were what does this tell us or you know I suppose the common theme was there's an awful lot of movement in this the water quality must be really good so it was just to explain the difference you know between the good invertebrates and the bad ones and that I suppose the bugs in the stream they give a more longer term indicator of water quality than a chemistry sample which is just a moment in time. I can see the pip maps are up as well for the area, so they're looking at movement and flow of, of nutrients or potential pathways as well. Yeah, I suppose these are a great resource too is at the moment and like we have ground truth of them now, so they really can focus both our minds and that of the farmers when we're trying to influence them into making changes on their farms. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing there is that nobody is more aware of their land and their land type than the farmers who operate it. Um, but as Claire said, it's it's you know it's really interesting to see where the farmer, where his ideas agree with what the maps say, where his uh, his or her experience shows that yes, those are areas that are inclined to get wet or are inclined to flood or hold water or pond, and then suddenly we're on the one kind of theme in that well, that's how do we ensure that in the movement of that water we're not losing valuable nutrients nutrients that really we need to to keep for our farmlands how do we prevent those from getting into the water courses and causing damage there and i'm here with mary midlin and she has a fantastic demonstration on hedgerows Um, mary can you tell us a little bit about what message you're trying to get out today i suppose our main message is that the farmer needs to decide what is it they want Do they want the escaped hedge to grow up to the tree line or do they want that stock-proof hedge? Because both are excellent, but it's what the farmer actually wants, what they want. And then again, there's a different approach then based on what they want. What's the end result? And we're not saying one is better than the other. It just depends on what they want to end up with. A lot of farmers look for stock-proof hedges. So what kind of species would you 
you know, consider in, in one of those for it to be good? I suppose the white thorn there is the all-rounder. You know, and, and, and it's the easiest probably to work with and they won't go wrong with the white thorn. The trick, though, is that a lot of our farmers will come up and say, I planted a hedge two or three years ago and it's about so high, but there's gaps at the bottom. What do I do? And there's the pause. And then you try and say, well, look, at you need to cut it back. And that's, that's, I suppose, the message that's the hard pill to swallow. They're nervous of They're that, nervous, aren't they? yes. yes. The nervous of cutting back to thicken up, to tiller. Yeah. And that's the key message in that, that, you know, without cutting it back, pruning it back to get the, the side shoots, you're never going to have that stock-proof hedge. Another thing I see here is you're using plastic to establish the hedge. Is there anything else you can use besides plastic, or is that the best yeah, well, what, to what control What you're actually weeds? looking at there, um, Deirdre, is, is uh, biodegradable. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, Very so that's good. the same as what our maize farmers are starting to use now. It looks essentially the same as your silage wrap, but it is biodegradable, and we're trying to encourage that now. And it is essential, if you're cutting back that hedge, you know, to, to have the, the biodegradable plastic underneath it, so as that you're, you're not having the competition from the weeds, because you need to give the, chance, the, the hedge a chance to establish. To promote biodiversity in our hedges, what varieties would you encourage, Mary? I suppose what we'd be looking at is the white thorn is your base, it's your main one. And and for simplicity, what we're sort of encouraging now is, you know, while you have your, your, your plants put in at the right ratio and, and the foot apart and the zigzag, we're, we're encouraging maybe every two metres to let one of your white thorns grow up. And it's the simplest thing, but you're letting that grow up, you're marking it, you're identifying it and letting it grow up. But look, at if you want a bit of variety, you have dog rose, you have hazel, you have holly. There's lots of variation. But the simplest approach when we're ordering is to go with the white thorn, but every two metres or so have let one grow up. And also encourage tree growth and maybe establish a tree every Absolutely. Meters as well. And what you're doing then is you're finding that there's certain birds that like to nest up high. So you're having the biodiversity for the up high. You're covering all your, all your angles there, aren't you? So we have Catherine Keane here from Chagas here today in Beef 22 New. Catherine, how are you keeping? What, are you, what message are you giving to farmers today? Well, one of the messages on biodiversity is to value what is growing wild, which is part of our native Irish biodiversity. Really important. The plants and the flora and the fauna that have been here 10,000 years are in tune with each other. So what we want to do is maintain them, let them, let them grow, let them, let them flower and, and flourish. Um, the, the inconspicuous ugly ones as well as the showy ones much more important than, than and, and we, 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 our message is don't sow, let it grow so we do not recommend sowing wildflowers um, they're not wild wildflowers are what's growing wild naturally um, sowing flowers is a horticultural action um, it has a, there's a lot of problems associated with it the seed is not regulated uh, for purity or germination it's expensive they don't grow after a few years they don't compete but they can do harm in that meantime if they cross or cross over with their species growing locally of the same same species and um, the example would be the the bluebells Spanish bluebells are now out in the wild and they have crossed with our own native um, bluebells and they're now becoming very rare and we've had some issues with black grass as well in those seed mix haven't we yes because it's not regulated for purity and germination um, it, there is no no regulation it, they could include um, invasive alien species 
yeah, so so that's a that's clearly a problem. Uh, you couldn't blame, I suppose, some farmers are inclined to put those big seed mixes out because they look so lovely and they think they're doing a really good job. But listen, and I think to me, actually, the most most um, the biggest problem is that it's devaluing what we have growing wild. So our exhibit here today on on what I picked up this morning driving along the roadsides um, is to value what they are rather than when I get the question, um, I. I I have sprayed off the rubbish, where do I buy the, the packet of seeds? And I say, the rubbish is what I want. The rubbish is what the bees and all the invertebrates want. We have a big problem if pe- people are focused on one singular species. We must, sci- biodiversity is evidence-based, it's science, and we must, um, we must think of all species, not just what's best for one species. Because you can do what's right for one, but it can actually do harm to another species, which is not in the interest of biodiversity. And if you, if you did let an area of your field go, Catherine, what, what, kind of, what flowers would you expect to see over time in them naturally? Depending on whether it has been fertilised would be the main reason as to what could be there. But even if it doesn't come up with, with flowers... The grasses themselves are superbly important. So if you have grasses growing to seed, which doesn't happen in the middle of the field, then you have the birds who eat the seeds, then you have invertebrates who feed on the seed, and then you have invertebrate eating birds eating the seed. On the clumps of grasses that overwinter, you have spiders overwintering in them. So grasses alone, rough vegetation is really, really important, and it's what's missing on intensively managed farmland. So if you have a grassy margin, um, uh, you know, even without any flowers in it, it it will have the stru- the structure is very different to the middle of the field. So the the shrews and the field mice will be there. That's where the owls will feed feed along. So it's just it's part of the it's the structural diversity is really important to have those areas. Let them allow, let them grow, let them let them flower. They do they must be managed. So they must be managed in the autumn, preferably after flowering, about the first of September, um, or else they will turn into scrub. Now. Scrub is a good habitat, but what we're trying to ma- to look for grassy margins. If you want a grassy margin, we it does need to be cut, but later in the year, or maybe once every two or three years. Lovely, thanks a million, Catherine. And we have two farmers. We have Lawrence, and we have his daughter Rachel with him today. So Rachel is a student at Ballyhays College. Um, Rachel, are you enjoying the course? Yeah, I'm enjoying it very much. Oh, brilliant. And you're here at Beef 2022 today. Have you a big interest in beef? Yeah, beef and sheep. Oh, good woman. So have you been around through many of the stands? You've just come through the biodiversity and water quality stands. Yeah. Um, And we're just standing outside the red clover stand with your dad, who's very, very interested in clover, I believe. Yeah, he's very interested, wanting to look to put more in. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, Lawrence, can you tell us about um, what you're doing at home? Uh, what we're doing at home, we're doing, uh, we have a lot of sheep at home, we also do dry stock farming as well. Uh, I'm mainly rearing calf to beef at the moment, uh, through the dairy, dairy calves to beef at the moment, a few continental calves as well. So I'm really now going to be going on a programme in a couple of, next year please God, I have to reseed a lot of ground. So I'm interested more in the red clover, multi-sword type of that for those production for finishing and uh, see how to, what information they get on that. Have tried it before with uh, store lambs and sheep before, and I found it very worthwhile, um, particularly for finishing store cattle and finishing uh, store lambs. So I have a bit of a history on it and have attempted to grow it. So I'm really here to see how it has improved or has it has the mixes improved, the seed mixes improved, 
and learn a bit more about that if I can. So you've so made your way through. We had Terry Carroll earlier talking. I'm only about literally all the in stats. about. I'm only literally in heading around the whole thing now. Hopefully, and and see more. Uh, the other part is about maybe the water quality and all that and the biodiversity thing and particularly the carpets and questions there on the hedgerows and things that I found interesting so far as well. A lot of hedgerows out in North Dublin on our farm and woodland. Brilliant. So yeah, it's just gathering information and trying to put it to use. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, and Rachel is learning lots as well, the future generation. Rachel's learning lots, future generation, yes, and picking up bits and pieces. As we I go went to I college myself, Rachel, and I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so very much for no you're more than welcome today. thank, thank you, yeah. you so I have Julia Bondi here down in Beef 2022 and Julia's down in, in the soil pit looking at classification and pits Julia what, what message are you giving to farmers there today here we have uh, a soil profile. I would say this is surface water clay. What we are trying to um, to pass to the farm to the to the uh, um, audience here today is that you have to get your structure right. Here you can see that we have a very shallow uh, topsoil, and also you have uh, a compacted layer down below. Uh, of course, what you want is to get this shallow topsoil deeper in the lower layers so that you can uh, get the best out of your uh, crops. And the, the topsoil is very shallow, isn't it? It's probably only, what's only about 15 centimetres to 20 centimetres and then you're into a real marly layer that water finds it very hard to get through, I think, is it? Yes, exactly, Cahal. So what we are suggesting here to improve these kind of, uh, of features is that we would uh, uh, suggest uh, to plant um, uh, mixed species, uh, mixed swords, with a deep rooting system that they can get um, uh, below this l- very shallow layer of 10 centimeters and trying to hit into the compacted layer. In this way, you apply a mechanical line action that is able to break the aggregates down, improve your structure, but you, with your rooting system you also release some exudates into the lower layer that will able to improve the biodiversity and the microbial community in uh, in your subsoil. Juicing. And, and, uh, Just ponding. Um, Identify where that issue is, the compaction issue is. Yeah, well, uh, the grass vest is actually a very good methodology to to um, understand if you have a compaction problem. So you dig a, pe- um, a, a block in your soil, 20 by 20 centimeters, and you basically look at the aggregates in your soil, and you can see the shape of the aggregates, uh, the the strength of the aggregates. If the ag- the aggregates are really uh, difficult to break, uh, it means you have a compaction problem. If the aggregates are really really sharp, it means you uh, might uh, try to do something about it, you know, but it's important to have a look at your soil properly and regularly and and check with the time if your compaction is improving, if you have uh, a compaction layer or uh, how to drive your management to to actually remediate this. I think the big problem is probably we don't look enough under the soil see what the issue and where it is and we're trying to fix a problem that we don't know it's like I suppose going to the doctor and the doctor telling you what's wrong with you without looking at you Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So it's important to have a look to your soil and recognise the signs that your soil is giving you Excellent, thanks a million Julia Thanks so much That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast 
don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahal Summers. And I'm Georgia Lynn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.